0: As we reflect back on what wellness has been or what it's become over the past five to 10 years, I think it has become very product driven. So I talk a lot about how wellness is really a right and not a privilege. And I think some of that comes from the cost being a barrier to entry or just this idea of wellness that showcases that you have to have all of the things at all times if we look into what makes ourselves well, especially with quarantine and COVID times where we can't really get outside and we don't have access to a lot of things. For me, i realized it's quite simple in terms of, you know, eating food that fuels me, you know, running and working out. And there's so many free ways that you can do that and just moving your body in general. And then, you know, from a soul perspective, because wellness does kind of Hit on that as well, whether it be manifestation, meditation, or just taking a minute to think um, and process everything. I think that's all super important.
1: Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Fichels. and if you're new around here, welcome. If you're an OG, welcome back. Today's episode is continuing the conversation on racial inequality and everything that goes along with that, uh, just you know in regards to the society we live on, but specifically with a focus on the wellness sphere. And the reason I kind of honed in on this is because I'm assuming that many of you listening are at least semi-interested in the wellness health world if you're listening to this podcast. So today we have Kira West, who is such a radical human being. I first found her through the QueenCast podcast And just really connected with her story of struggling with body image and diet culture growing up. I know a lot of you guys probably have felt that too. And so at that point, I started following her and that was probably early May, I want to say. And I just liked her content. I mean, just as is, as she was posting in the moment back in May, I really enjoyed her content. And so I was following along and then as you'll hear me explain in this episode when the Black Lives Matter movement really, like, got that kick surge on Instagram, the content that Kira was creating and putting out there and sharing and highlighting, like, it was just so powerful. I mean, her own experiences, you know, as a Black woman, but then also just the way she created and crafted this content, it was so easy to digest and take in, and not that it has to, you know, not trying to, like, go into white fragility here, but it was just, I i really connected with the way she was sharing about it. And so at that moment, I was like, damn, I need to talk with her. <laughs> and I am so, so grateful that she agreed. She is just such a light and talking with her just felt like so natural and fun. So I'm excited for you all to listen. And just remember, this movement is about making change, making an impact. And if you can do that, you know, do it. You can do it in so many different ways. Uh, There are an abundance of resources to educate, to expose, and just help amplify their voices. Uh, Be a part of the change. That's, That's all I'll say. And so for a bit of a preview into this actual conversation, Kira really takes us into the wellness world and specifically from her experience as a Black woman in this field. So she explains what it really means to make wellness inclusive to all from her standpoint. And I mean, sure, we all know that the price and availability to wellness is sometimes actually a lot of the time, um, not approachable for all. But have you ever considered this from a race viewpoint? Like that's the question I thought of a while ago and I hope you guys think of now. And, you know, Kira first mentioned this in another interview that I listened to her, you know, two of her. Uh, but even something like this time when she was in a fitness class and she was the only black woman and the music that was playing kept saying the N-word and no one noticed because their blinders are up and it's just second nature and that just like broke my heart to imagine like have there been times where i've done that i don't know it just seems that in order to change the society we live in we need to make our second nature be that anti-racism work right and not these like white blinders so we need to notice when a situation like that happens so that we can then actually be supportive and an ally And so this episode overall just really highlights different times in Kira's life when these seemingly small, but they're not really small in the slightest, um, moments or situations happened because of race in the society. And I just love like all parts of Kira's story. So we really dive into those too, such as how she built her brand and how she defines wellness and what wellness means to her. And I really love the way she phrases this. I think it's something that people don't discuss enough. Like, what does wellness even mean? Like, have you ever thought of that? Like, what the hell does wellness even mean? It just means something different to everyone, I guess. But the way that Kira explains it here is just so spot on. I really resonated with it. Um, And then overall, it's just really neat to hear her perspective because she's, you know, been in this world of wellness and fitness and, you know, quote unquote health for, you know, for a while now. And she's had different avenues to her brand. And so listening to her story just really, it was inspiring. And then a lot of it was, you know, educational or just, I don't know, like opens your eyes to things that we hadn't thought of before. And I think that's, what is important, and you know what I strive to do with this podcast. So, if you listen and resonate with any part of it, let us know. Kira is on Instagram at bykwest, linked below, and I'm at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. If you like the show, you can. If you like this episode, let's say you can screenshot it, share it on your stories. Make sure you tag Kira, give her a follow, like support her look at her content. I, you know, like I said, I really dig it. And then just let us know overall like what you thought about it. Um, you guys know you're always free, like f- feel free to reach out to me. I love connecting. I love having these type of conversations. So much love and without further ado, let's begin.
0: I mean, I've had my Instagram like the same platform, I guess, since the dawn of Instagram time. So I think my first post, which was probably archived by now, was like somewhere in college. And like, you know, I've had it for a while. I think it transitioned into being more of a business um, after college when I was taking, when I was like traveling more and taking on more social clients because I used to do social strategy and I felt like, you know, what better way to sell my services than to test and learn and try on my own account. So I would say I've been seriously working on Buy K West in all of its iterations, um, formerly known as Carmen San Diego since probably 2016. More or less, I guess that's like about four years. um, And my website and like the Buy K West branding is about a year old.
1: Oh, I love it. It was just funny because going into this interview, I was just really trying to decide, you know, what I wanted to hit on. And the one thing that I did want to like bring up was this idea of you know, I connected with you and as I just explained, found you through QueenCast podcast where I really connected with, you know, your struggles with body image and diet culture and all of that as I'm, you know, I'm 20. So I just came out of that awkward high school age where all of that is so prevalent. Uh, and then, recent, you know, with the recent surge of the Black Lives Matter movement, your content, I mean, it's always, you know, I just, I really liked your content before too, but like the education and everything you were providing and creating and putting out there just because like, because that's your voice and that's what you're doing was just so inspiring and like empowering, like just so amazing. And I just am curious, like, do you feel like this recent surge in the movement and like you, the content you've been putting out, does it feel like it's almost like a, a new voice or a new Avenue for you to explore with your platform?
0: Yes and no. I think it's been things that I've thought about for a long time, and I might have spoken about it with friends and family or in smaller contexts, but maybe just haven't shared it as broadly. So I do think it's something that's here to stay on my platform. And I think when I reflected back on even earlier this year, wanting to be more of a champion for diversity and inclusion and wellness, um, you know, these sorts of thoughts were coming out and I posted about Black women during Black History Month and in fitness in New York. So I think it's been a long time coming. It's just at this point now, I think others are more interested in in the content and engaging in the conversation. So I would say I maybe have a more active, engaged audience, which is cool. Um, and I've become an expert on a subject that I guess is like kind of just my lived existence um, that I never really thought people would care this much
1: about. Yeah. And has it been overwhelming at all with this recent surge of, I mean, I've seen it happening in a lot of aspects, whether it's in follower counts or, you know, just general support, asking, you know, to be on podcasts, all of that sort of thing. Has it been overwhelming or just exciting or given some anxiety with this recent surge of white people suddenly becoming interested, quote unquote, you know, in your story and in your experiences?
0: Yes and no. I think it's pretty easy for me to see through what's more genuine and like who wants to have a conversation in terms of like actually figuring out how to make change moving forward and who's just in it because it's what's cool right now. So I think I'm definitely more open to the opportunities where it's people who genuinely want to have a conversation or at least have some background on who I am. Um, I think, you know, also person to person, I feel like I can make more of an impact versus necessarily with some of the brands that have reached out. Um, It definitely was overwhelming. I think the first couple of weeks, because I didn't really expect to spend so much time focusing on creating content. Um, And I've created all the visuals myself that are on my feeds, like that takes a lot of time. Um, I suck at spelling and grammar. So like also trying to read through it and have someone like copy edit. Um, But yeah, I think it, it was overwhelming in that sense. It was just there was a lot going on. And then, you know, trying to focus on work and like I already had brand contracts in place, so, like, vetting all my brands again to make sure that this was something that they had, um, like, a stance, an action plan for has been kind of crazy, but it's great. I mean, brands are listening to what I have to say, and I'm really invested in the brands that I care about and want to see succeed.
1: Yeah. And side note, there is no worse feeling than when you create like a graphic or, you know, some sort of presentation thing. And then you go to post it and you realize like one word is mistake, you know, misspelled and it just gets on your mind. Uh, So I feel you on that. I'm I'm similar, but that's really neat. Like the fact that you said brands are being open. and I know that's not the case for all. There's been some horror stories going on with that, but you know, overall in the past or even now, like, have you noticed that when it comes to, cause you know, you are a content creator in a sense, uh, when it comes to those brand deals and contracts, like, have you ever felt as though you were being, you know, treated unfair or just like given the short end of the stick? And do you feel like moving forward now, like you do have more opportunity to better that, I suppose?
0: To a degree, yes. I've always been pretty picky with brand partnerships and genuinely like to work with brands that I have more of a relationship with. So I think it's a little bit different because it's less transactional. Um, So it's been more of like, you know, I'm seeking out the brand or the brand is seeking me out specifically, which I think is a little bit different um, than sometimes there's like platforms that influencers are on and things like that where they may be having these kinds of conversations where there are many other people having them as well, um, I think it's definitely apparent when I've gone to events and things like that, where I'm seeing that you know I'm the only person in the room per se, and I think that's a lot more obvious. But other than that, I think you know I've also been a bit desensitized to it as I spoke about um, on a couple of previous podcasts too, where it's like. I work in a primarily white environment. I went to college in a primarily white environment, so I don't always notice anymore, Um, and I think I have built up like a thicker skin and kind of know how to like translate who I am to fit whatever space I'm in, and I think it's nice now that I don't really have to do that anymore, Um, and I can kind of like be more of my full self everywhere.
1: Growing up, did you have a similar experience of kind of having to you know, camouflage or like the chameleon aspect of fit into your surroundings or, you know, I'm just curious growing up when you were first really exposed to like what racism is and what it means and if during those years growing up you felt like you needed to, you know, fit in or change to, you know, better just be in the environment you were in, I suppose.
0: Um... (laughs) i feel like you know i guess what's maybe different for someone who's growing up as a black person or a person of color is like my parents were constantly having this conversation with me as i was growing up um and i do think growing up in brooklyn i was fortunate that for the greater part of my like young childhood while i was maybe a minority there were at least a handful of other people that looked like me and i went to like pretty diverse schools, I would say, up until maybe high school. Um, and my high school was small enough that it wasn't as much of a challenge because there were only 120 of us anyway. Um, and, and we were, I would say, pretty diverse as well. I would say the first time that I was like in an area that was primarily white um, was definitely more college but I think when it came to like my hair and how I looked, I mean, my parents had conversations with me about those things from when I was a lot younger. Um, And of course, my parents had to go the extra mile to like get me dolls that looked like me and things like that. And I don't think that even back then a lot of them existed. So um, I would say, you know, we've been having the conversations for a while, but I think kids can be kind of mean, like outside of race. There's a lot of things that are going on when you're younger, like your body's growing and changing, like especially as you're going through puberty and I think, you know, I definitely like was bullied, you know, and, and I don't think it was necessarily racial. A lot of it was just like, you know, I was very into my schoolwork. My parents were pretty strict. And like I don't know if those things had a racial impact as much. It was just like, you know, kids are kind of mean at that point in time. But I do think, especially if you're in an environment where there's race on top of all that, um, it can be super stressful and just challenging.
1: Yeah. And that's what, you know, I was just curious about because I was imagining similar to you, I kind of had that quote unquote, you know, the smart girl stereotype, whatever it was. And there was a lot of, you know, just different scenarios that were difficult for me. And then, you know, just imagining, you know, if there were to be a circumstance where race were to be brought into it too, I just, it's, it's a whole new level. And so, um, you know, thankfully, yeah, like you said, you were able to be in diverse environments. And so that might not have you know affected you as much as others but uh so then you know moving forward you like you said college was the first time you were really in that more predominantly white environment and then you mentioned earlier that your you know current career workplace is also sort of like that so has that ever proved to be you know difficult or complicated you know areas where you felt like you couldn't voice your opinion on something or you weren't being taken as seriously or as professionally as you should be
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting being a young person in the workplace and maybe you'll find this as well as it can be challenging for people to take you seriously just from like an age perspective. So I started my career in hospitality working in hotels um, and it's an industry where a lot of people have worked, you know, in their jobs in the hotel for a long time. And I think it's one of the few industries where you could really still work your way up. So you had a lot of people that maybe didn't go to college or or had a different background, but were in, you know, these senior roles or you were having these conversations with because they were your colleagues. And I think that's where I felt conscious of like, not only my race, but also my age and like really wanting to come off as knowledgeable as possible. Like, I'm all about really doing the work. So um I think for me I also was like analyzing every single aspect of my behavior just to make sure that I was coming off in the best way possible so that coupled with the fact that I worked in a luxury property it was like down to your nail color you know it it has gotten a lot better (laughs) and in my particular case like the hotel was fairly progressive so a lot of things changed while I was there but you know five years ago they were still telling me that I needed to wear like a jacket, like a suit jacket, if I was wearing, you know, I needed to wear heels, um, if I was meeting with clients and things like that. So a lot of it was your visual appearance needed to give off luxury. And I think, you know, when my hair is braided, which I didn't necessarily feel comfortable having it done that way, um, it's hard to be your authentic self and also show up in the ways that you're asked. So that was certainly tough. Um, I think also like my hair was very straight at the time, like I wore makeup every day and was like, very into being my most professional self but I think I definitely wasn't my full self if that makes sense um and I switched companies to a company where the majority of the team while maybe not black was at least a bit younger so I think that end of things was less challenging for me but I did reflect a lot on being the only person who was black within the space so you know I'm thinking about everything that I'm doing and how it could reflect back on potential employees to come or just people who are viewing the company in general and i think you know i've always wanted to be the best representation of my company my brand you know whatever it is and so that's definitely tough i think especially in this age of authenticity when everyone wants you to bring your full self to work and be your full self and all of that stuff
1: yeah i mean it's it's kind of like you were told in the beginning you know you can't you can't really be your authentic self. Like we need you to do this, this, and this to show up. This is how we will accept you. This is what we expect of you. And then yeah, like you said, this is an era now of, you know, be authentic and be a hundred percent you. And it it's not as easy as just like flipping a switch, right? Like when you spend that many years putting on, you know, like a almost like another version of yourself, like a, a wall, a barrier. It takes a long time to sometimes like break that down. And then build the confidence to be (laughs) that exposed self. Like I, I can kind of relate, you know, I can feel in a sense of, you know, what that could have been like. Um, but wow. Yeah. And you know, so in this time you are working full time, you are just hustling and then you have your Instagram. And then, so like at what point did your focus with wellness really come into play? Because I know you did a lot with travel before, but you also are very big with inclusive, you know, bringing making wellness more inclusive, which is just phenomenal. Uh, And all your past conversations on it have had me going like, hells to the yes, (laughs) we need this. So when did that really start up for you? Uh, I'm just kind of curious to hear that side of your story.
0: Of course, I would say the term wellness is definitely – Great, because it's so broad. So it can mean so many things, which is beautiful. And that's one of the reasons why I chose it. When I was reflecting on my brand, what really held me back for years from like actually making sure that um, I had a website and like things really being cohesive was number one, that I was scared because I felt like somehow a website would be impossible for me to keep up. Um, And I think that's totally an irrational fear. Like anyone can have a website. It's really not that deep. People don't expect you to post every single day. Um, But the other piece of it was like, I wasn't sure if I wanted to continue with the travel focus, um, or if I wanted to move into fitness, and I was really conflicted on which way to go and wellness allowed me to do both. So when I looked at what made me feel good, what filled up my cup and what was necessary for me to live an optimal life, it really included traveling and exploring and like just learning more about the world in general and then also fitness, running and, and all that comes with that. So I really started to use the word wellness when I describe my brand overall in that sense. So I would say I really embraced it in like the last year, because I think sometimes you only get one word <laughs> to describe what you're doing or, or where you sit within the content creator space. Um, and I think that that one's a fairly good description for me. I mean, I really want to build a community that encourages people to figure out what makes them feel most well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the word or the term health can have a lot of, you know, stigma, just a lot attached to it and a certain like mindset with it. But wellness is, I mean, that's, I, I love it. Cause I think of it as like 360 wellness, like mind, body, spirit, right? Like there's just so many avenues you can take it, you know, travel is good for my soul. Fitness is good for my physical body. And like community is good for, you know, like mind, the mental health. So that is just amazing. Uh, and so then, you know, as we mentioned in that, You've sort of really embraced this wellness, you know, kind of like category way of creating and um, reaching your audience. So, in that, I just kind of, you know, I know you've talked about this on many podcasts, but it's just something that's so relevant, especially now. But the idea of making wellness more inclusive to all. And everybody listening can understand that wellness is not inclusive in the mindset of, you know, the $15 matcha and, the $40 class or the, you know, $150 sauna session, but it goes a lot deeper than that too. And so I just am curious, like, what's been your experience with that? Uh, And I guess, you know, in that, like, how would you like to see, like, change happen? How would you like to see that happen?
0: Of course. So I think as we reflect back on what wellness has been or what it's become, over the past five to 10 years, I think it has become very product driven. So I talk a lot about how wellness is really a right and not a privilege. And I think some of that comes from the cost being a barrier to entry or just this idea of wellness that showcases that you have to have all of the things at all times. Uh, If we look into what makes ourselves well, especially with quarantine and COVID times where we can't really get outside and we don't have access to a lot of things, For me, I've realized it's quite simple in terms of, you know, eating food that fuels me, and I'm working on some content around how to do that on a budget, also, you know, running and working out, and there's so many free ways that you can do that, and just moving your body in general. And then, you know, from a soul perspective, because wellness does kind of hit on that as well, whether it be manifestation, meditation, or just taking a minute to think um, and process everything, I think that's all super important. And I've been challenged during this time to reflect on some of the things that I felt I needed and maybe don't need or just don't need as often. So I think changing the perception around wellness from you need to have a laundry list of things to what can you do within yourself, within your community, or within your sphere of influence to feel like you're living a more optimal lifestyle. Because I think that that's what wellness is at its core. And that's what we've gotten away from. I also think wellness is one of the things where you don't get an instant return on investment a lot of times. It does take some time. So people do have to go into it if they are going to invest, understanding that you're investing in yourself, which is super important, but that things may take time. And I think for me, I've really learned that. Um, But aside from that, I think that there's just so many ways that studios, gyms, like can think through their imagery, their marketing, the ethos of their brand, their company culture to ensure that there's diversity at all levels. And then there's inclusion as well.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's so much yes to that, but something that I just thought of on that end note that you said is, I mean, just today on your story, you shared something about a class pass modeling ad, which just like blew my mind away. And if I you know, saw it correctly, they Literally replace like a black woman with a white stereotypical, like blonde hair, blue eyed white woman, which is beyond like I I was sick to my stomach. So I just like, does that happen often? I mean, I feel so ashamed that it's, I guess it's not openly talked about, but like, that's just beyond ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what's so problematic about it is that there's nothing wrong with hiring a beautiful blonde haired model. And there are tons of them in the world. um, But it is completely wrong to hire someone, you know, for who they are, and then change their face. And and I think the color was a part of it. But it's like, it's her body. And you've now taken her body away from her. um, And on a fundamental level, that's wrong. So I think that these things have been happening more than we all know. If I had seen one image, unless you're the model, you're not necessarily going to expect that this is happening. But I do think now we're looking a lot more critically. And I I reached out to ClassPass because I had worked with them in the past and their answer was along the lines of the fact that they didn't really have an acceptable excuse. And the person who had done this many years ago was no longer there and I think what we're all really looking for is yes you know changes in staffing happen but to you know publicly explain that you made a mistake and this is what you're doing to correct it is i think what i've admired about people and brands because as allies or as people on this journey you're not going to do everything right this is an egregious wrong that to me doesn't make sense but at the same time if, you, if we want to you know, judge a brand by what they're doing moving forward, then we should all be on the same page about how they're addressing something like this. So I would say, you know, it was shocking and surprising to me as well, but I'm sure that this is happening more than we know. And hopefully now that people are having the conversation and people are, you know, really just being open about their experiences, we'll hear about this more.
1: Yeah. And that is very true. It's like, And I I know it was something I was, you know, guilty of too, just during when, when there was like the surge with the movement and everything, just the white policing (laughs) of each other going on, like it was just insane and it wasn't doing any good. And I suppose it could kind of be applied to the brands too, where it's like acknowledging what they did wrong. And we all know it was obviously very wrong, but then also like not Forgetting to then ask them, like, how are you moving forward and what change are you going to make from this day on out is like the next step and probably the most important step, because that's creating, you know, accountability uh, moving forward, that this work does continue and it doesn't just get passed over like another social trend that, you know, we've seen happen time and time again.
0: Sorry, it's like the worst place to record ever. The phone ring, i try to turn it off. You're so okay ask your question again
1: please. you know you're so okay um so i guess i was just wait let me see let me remember what i had i had kind of gone on like a side tangent about brands <laughs> um so i guess so just like moving forward then like how would what are some changes that you would like to see you know brands or people make in general so we've seen a lot of you know for instance i'm in the podcast space there's been a lot of podcasts admitting Hey, like my podcast is all white women and like, I want to do better moving forward. And as we mentioned before, we've seen brands making different pledges or being open about their, you know, employee ratios and everything. But is there anything in specific that you would just like to, you know, offer out, put out as like what you personally would like to see happen, whether that is on a personal brand business, social, social level?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, there isn't a one size fits all solution, and everyone has different triggers and feelings and thoughts on it. So, I think the more people that brands can ask, the more that they can just diversify, not only internally, but who's on their influencer programs, you know, who's an ambassador, things like that, I think will really help everyone stay informed moving forward. Diversity and inclusion are super important, and those are sustainable ways we can continue to see change. So in whichever way that a brand can continue on that journey and be transparent along the way, it's important. I've heard a lot of brands are setting KPIs around real diversity and also changing company culture to be a lot more inclusive. So, you know, that's the sort of stuff that excites me. And I appreciate the brands that are super transparent. So there's been a pull-up for change initiative within travel, and then there's been pulling up in beauty as well, um, where brands have been asked to just share what their stats are, both on the executive level and then just in general. And I think, you know, I don't just wanna see that now, but next year I wanna see brands commit to continuing to do this. So that's really important. And I think of course, visually, wherever you can to really think about, can we have someone that looks different, that thinks differently in the photo, sitting at the table, the more that you get diverse faces and thoughts and bodies and and everything, the more that that becomes a part of, you know, just what the brand is doing moving forward.
1: Yeah. And I think, like you said, that helps open your eyes. And I saw this, you know, a lot of my friends and I, you know, we were discussing this of it is shameful, like how not diverse, how like just white our feeds were. And it's been amazing to me personally how, like, the moment I started to diversify my feed, you know, I was I was doing it a bit before, but not as much as I should have. Uh, just you know, I found you through Queencast, so it would be if I found someone through a podcast and I'd follow. But now it's just like it just blows my mind that there are all these great, you know, fitness fitness instructors and bloggers and content creators and just you know, black women in general that are just as amazing as. these white ones you know that I used to follow and it just makes me really upset to realize like I never it was like a whole new world was out there and I never saw that I never knew that and now I'm finding them and I'm just like my mind is blown because I'm like this is insane that like we can be so blind and not open to this and I think what you said about like finding ways to include every like you know create that diversity in the imagery, imagery we're seeing and the ads we're seeing and the interviews we're hearing, like that's a major step because it's exposure, right? Like exposure and then education to follow. So I know that was like a personal fault of mine and something that I'm working on and trying to aid in through exposure of the podcast, but it's just insane. Like the blind side that we, you know, a lot of white people just have up and we had up for so long.
0: Of course, and I think it definitely has to be purposeful. So, you know, it's been great that people who are in wellness and in the food space who identify with my content and genuinely think it's interesting are following along. I think the piece of amplifying melanated voices in the week where everyone muted themselves that I didn't love was like a lot of people were sharing, but like didn't actually follow or engage or like had no interest in the content. And I think we're all following people on Instagram because we want whatever they're saying, we want whatever content they're serving. So I think that this is no different and there are incredible people of all shapes and sizes, ethnicities that produce great content on Instagram. And I think I've even challenged myself to look through my feed and, you know, see where I can find new people to follow. Um, Because ultimately, if our feeds are just other versions of ourselves, you know, as Cameron had said on her podcast, there's just, we're not learning anything. It's not exciting. And, you know, I do think to your point, of course, if you follow people who are within your niche, within your space, it's very easy to find people that might look like you because the people that you follow probably follow the same types of people. And I think, you know, if we are all conscious of like, you know, looking for people who are different and, you know, sharing stories and those sorts of things and asking, you know, our followers, our friends, who else they love, I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, And then continuing to engage and understand and all of that stuff is certainly
1: to come. Yeah. Like you said, purposefully looking for it, not just like you said, yeah, you follow one person and then it suggests who they follow. And it's just like an endless cycle of the same type of person over and over again. So actively seeking, searching, finding is, yeah, I think key to that. Um, And then, you know, like in this, I did want to just highlight a bit more of your just, you know, personal brand and your story with by Kay West. So you mentioned before that moving forward, you want to create more of like, you know, grocery shopping on a budget and things like that. But are there any other like aspects of wellness or just lifestyle in general that you really love creating, like that really lights you up when you are able to share that on your platform?
0: I think for me, it's like the unseen parts of travel and fitness. So whether it be going to a new studio that you know is fresh that people haven't really heard of or going somewhere that's maybe not as popular and really getting to try it out and, and share more, I think that's super exciting. And then on the same end with travel too, I really like being able to go to destinations that are maybe not as popular um, or just that people don't talk about as much. So I had plans pre-COVID to um, spend some time in South America and really... Spend time going to places like um, Guatemala again and Honduras and, and just places that you don't hear about as much. And I think I like exposing what these places are really like outside of what the news shares. So when I went to Haiti, that was really big. Um, but I would say that really lights me up.
1: No, and that's interesting too to not go. I have a habit, I love travel but I I don't know a lot about it. So I stick to like more of the cliche places that you can find 101 guides for, Um, but it's it's a dream of mine moving forward to try, you know, some of those more unique places and such. And I think that's an interesting like avenue too, because you don't see a lot of wellness creators like sharing that type of content, Uh, you know, whether it's because they don't choose to or whatnot, but I think that's a very interesting like aspect of your overall feed content, you know, work too.
0: I miss it. I'm excited that borders are opening, and I'm even looking forward to challenging myself to travel more domestically, so I shared, I think maybe last Monday, a list of Black-owned hotels um, within the U.S., because a lot of us are not quite yet ready to go internationally, Um, but I'm excited to also kind of see what there is domestically, because when you think about the U.S., outside of every state being different and politics and all of that stuff from a geographical perspective we have such a wide variety um of types of places to explore that i'm looking forward to doing more of that oh 100 percent yeah
1: it can it can be endless and that's neat i mean there's like one more just like avenue to explore but like you said sharing like the black owned hotels like that's important and like that's something too to take into account so um i just love that uh I guess, like, just closing up now, is there anything else, like, a last message or a bit of insight, something that's been on your heart that you just would want to share with anyone who listens to this, you know, whether it's date of release or two months or three months from now, like, just something you'd want them to take away from this conversation?
0: I think being authentic in your journey is super important, and that can mean as you're learning about white fragility and supremacy and what Black Lives Matter will mean moving forward. It can also apply to any other place in your life where you're exploring just next steps and how you are going to move through your life moving forward. I think especially with COVID, it's been a huge period of transition. So whether you're listening right now or a couple months from now, I'm fairly certain that there will still be transitions happening. I think just, you know, being authentic, being open, and just understanding that it's a journey and we're never going to be perfect is important. So as long as we're striving for progression and as long as we're progressing, that's really what is most key. I would say, yeah, keep at it. I'm really big into resilience, so I think it applies here more than ever. Oh, 100%. I think it's one of the, like, a very
1: crucial character strength. If you can build resilience, there's, I took a course on uh, positive psychology, and there's a huge tie between resilience and optimism. Like they just, they play off of each other. So if, if you can, you know, increase your character strength of optimism or of resilience, it sort of builds up, it can build up the other one. And I think those are both two uh, important, like, you know, semi-crucial aspects to someone's life, you know, if they choose to have them. So I love that. Uh, well, where can people find you and connect and just continue to learn and support and just follow along your journey?
0: Of course. Instagram is probably the most active social channel I have at By K West, ByKWest, B Y K W E S T. And then my website is a great one as well, ByKWest.com. Um, one day I'll produce more TikTok content. <laughs> um, I'm still working on it, but for now, those are the main ones. I haven't even
1: attempted TikTok. Like, I don't even have the app yet because I know I'll get sucked into it too much. So uh, I'll keep my eye out, though, because if you, I'm, I'm tempted to start to get one just to watch because there's a lot of people I love to follow that are making them. So we'll see. But everyone keep posted. She might be on TikTok soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm on there. I just haven't really given anything exciting yet. So we'll see. I'm trying to figure out what my TikTok niche, niches will be.
1: Yeah, I I mean I I feel like people get so varied. Like I I don't know I follow. There's a couple other people. They'll post their TikToks to Instagram, and it's neat to see. You know whether it's like a fun dance one or they'll do like a recipe, which I think those are kind of neat. Um, but yeah, there's a lot you could do with it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like TikToks are getting more and more educational, which I like. Mm-hmm. So if anyone out there has TikTok requests, let me know. <laughs> Send them on
1: over. <laughs> I really hope this episode gave you something to think about. I think that we touched on a like good variety of topics and a good variety of Kira's story. But if any part of it in particular just really stuck out to you or got you thinking or maybe made you a little bit uncomfortable to think about, like that's good. And let us know. You can share on your Instagram story in real life with someone or just send one of us a message. Like we would love to connect Kira is on Instagram at bykwest and I'm on there at Emily emilyfeichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. I really hope you support Kira and her message and just help like amplify these voices that we need to get out in the world. I appreciate you all so much and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.